Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast. I am your host, Kevin Bradley, joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Kevin Gallagher. And today we have yet another in a, a long pantheon of honored guests at the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast. But before I bring them on, I think we should take a brief moment to once again shout out the sponsors of this show, No Judges Needed. The one-stop shop for all your BJJ apparel needs. They have everything ranging from incredibly cool rash guards and, and geese. And look at this guy. Look I think I guy. recognize that guy. You might, he he kind of looks like you, Kev. Yeah, uh, with Kev, a lot less hair. <laughs> everyone, everyone's favorite co-host of this podcast, Kevin Gallagher. One of their, their hot models they use. Uh, that's not all. They have an amazing series of rash guards, amazing art as well as casual wear, like T-shirts and hoodies. Uh, we're not going to show you everything because we do have a show to get to, but if you want to, ex to experience all of these cool designs and you're hurting for cash right now, we're here to help you out. Uh, use the promo code JJT at checkout to knock off 20% off all purchases forever in perpetuity. It's an amazing deal, and you'd be helping out the show. These guys are a, a great brand. They do a lot to help out the community. And they make it so I can afford uh, my cup of coffee that I need to get me through this episode. All right. So, yeah, no judges needed. Uh, thank you very much for sticking with us, guys. We won't let you down. All right. Long-winded intro out of the way. Real quick, just a reference to the fact that uh, my green screen <laughs> is taken down. My stand actually broke over the weekend, and I'm in the process of replacing it. So... Uh, just so that it doesn't feel like I've downgraded too much, we apologize. Freaking and I feel low, especially low rent production, low rent production. Kevin. I it's it is a nickel and dime operation. Embarrassed to be a part of this thing. Which <laughs> what sucks is our guest deserves all of this and more. He deserves the Ritz Carlton, and unfortunately, we're wasting his time here on this this very low rent show. But I'm going to read him in anyway because he's a phenomenal guy, and he's so polite that I doubt he'll say anything mean about it. Uh, today we welcome BJJ Brown Belt, uh, Subspectrum's 185-pound champion, and most recently, Submission Underground, and who's number one standout competitor with dynamite performances uh, days apart from each other, which is insane. Please welcome to the show, Mr. William Tackett. Will, welcome to the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast, man. How you doing? Doing great. Thank you for having me on. It's a real honor. I've actually I, never been on a podcast before. So you've never been on a podcast wow. before? No, on this podcast before. On this podcast. Before. No, he's been well, on a real mean, podcast before. Yeah, no, you've been <laughs> on a real <laughs> podcast. I for the sake of our revisionist history, this is the only podcast ever. And you've <laughs> this is so you've you've like this is the, you've been on this podcast. Uh real quick, just for because I like making myself feel bad. How long have you been growing that out, that that beard? Uh maybe a week. It's, it's, I'm just lazy and I haven't shaved. It's not really me growing out of beard. That that would be a month for me. That would be that would represent a month of me just not shaving. This is like four months of not shaving, I think. So you know, I just yeah. I just I like putting my throwing myself under the bus. Um, you've had an incredibly busy uh, time of uh, of comp competition as of late. How how's your body holding up? Good. Yeah, I feel I really didn't have any injuries. In the past few tournaments, which was great, um, I bruised my ribs a little bit. I don't know how I did, but I wouldn't consider that too much of an injury. It's more just I just need to rest and uh, take enough time just to let it heal. But I'm fine. So I've been able to train this week and just go light and stuff. So it's been good. That's a pain in the ass. A bruised rib sucks, man. Especially in jujitsu, mm -hmm. you, you, people people forget how much of your core. And like your at your obliques and things that you use in jujitsu and something like that, like crack ribs. Any injury in the ribs is a freaking It'll shut you down for a little while. Oh, yeah. I mean, shout out to fellow Jiu-Jitsu Times writer Emil Fisher. Uh, right. He was recently on Submission Underground, and he ended. He w was going for a straight ankle lock. He actually popped one of his ribs mid-submission. I'm not sure how it happened, but that that sort of thing. It's it's something I hope never to experience because it sounds terrifying. Yeah, I was actually out of basically all of the end of last year and the beginning of this year due to a rib injury. Um, I didn't compete in the Nogi Worlds because of it, and then um, I was out like in the beginning of the year. I popped my rib out when I was in Kiev in the Ukraine in that team tournament, and uh, it just 
didn't heal properly. It just kept popping in and out in training or if I would try to ramp up a little bit. So, yeah, they suck. Ribs are definitely not fun. Yeah. Rib injuries are a bitch. They take forever to heal, too. Mm -hmm. Something about a rib that just doesn't like you because you're always using a breathing deal or thing like that. It doesn't really have a chance. Even when you're resting, it's not really resting. It's not like your arm where you can kind of put it in a sling. Like you always have to use your damn ribs. You know, they don't just get yeah. to sit there and do nothing. Mm -hmm. So cool, man. Like you've been a busy boy, man. You've been uh, you've been crushing it lately, man. How did you how did you feel about uh running those two tournaments back to back? Was that something that kind of took the life out of you? Were you were you prepared for it? Was it was it difficult the the travel arrangements? How did how did you make that happen? So um a few people have asked this before. Um we've actually done that a few times, so I've kind of gotten a little bit used to it. We did one time where we did third coast grappling in Houston. So we drove down to Houston fought in third coast grappling and then drove back to Austin the very next morning, caught a flight, flew to Chicago and then fought on Midwest finishers that day. And I was in a tournament. So I had, uh, I think I had five matches in Midwest. Oh, finishers. Wow. I had a super fight on third coast grappling within like, I don't even think it was a 24 hour span. So that was really rough. This time was not as bad because I had a super fight on Friday, had all Saturday to rest, flew out Saturday and then competed on another super fight on Sunday. So it was only two matches, which wasn't, quite as bad but do you find uh, like do you find your body gets a little more banged up from uh competing and because everyone you like the thing about jujitsu is like you know it's a match is what six minutes you know seven minutes ten minutes at the most you know and you know you train in the room god you do you know five ten minute rounds in a row you know back to back to back to back training but there, do you find there's something about a competition that takes a little bit more out of you you, you find out weird that i remember when I, every time i competed i've always like got done and been like oh wow i don't know why i'm hurt or i don't know why i'm more tired i don't know what i did to my arm but something happened during the course of things that uh that that made it worse yeah that definitely happens i mean like i was saying with my ribs i didn't even i don't even know what happened i just came back started training monday night uh, a little bit in the gi and someone laid on me i was like oh my ribs are sore <laughs> so um, i think that just all the stress that your body goes through with all the nerves and everything leading up to the match. Maybe if you cut a little bit of weight, that puts stress on you. Traveling, that puts a lot of stress on your body as well. Um, when I'm, if I fly like back to back days like that, it's um, kind of tough because just sitting down for a long period of time, being on your feet, walking around, not really eating properly. I think all that goes into play and um, makes it tough, you know. And that's why you don't really recover as quickly from competing than as you do training. I that's actually something I think would be interesting is that a, a lot of people look at your current schedule and are amazed at how many performances you've crammed in such a short amount of time. How far in advance are you typically let is there is there any kind of consistency to how far out you have from a tournament before you know like how how in advance are things locked down for you? Um I don't like to accept things like I don't like to accept a fight within like two weeks, really. Um, if it's like a last minute, like, you know, someone dropped out and it's a big opportunity, then I'll hop on. But most of the time I don't really like to um, just hop on a new show if I haven't really like gotten in the mindset for a few weeks at a time. Really like three, four weeks is like ideal. Um, obviously the longer the better. Like if I know three months in advance that I have this match or something or I have a tournament, that's the best because I can create a really good camp around it. But I don't like to accept anything less than a two-week span unless it's just a really good opportunity. Just because I like to get proper training, proper camp, proper resting, recovery, making sure that I can work around injuries if I have them or prevent injuries and all that stuff. What's your ideal time frame that you'd like to have to, to train through to, to get – like if someone says, okay, you got three months in advance to uh, to train, to get prepared for something. What's At what point do you tell yourself, okay, cool, I'm – starting my actual training camp for this event like what's the, the normal time frame for that so it depends on like super fight versus like tournament so for the adcc trials we were doing a six-week camp um technically it was more of like an eight-week camp because we do two weeks ramp up to the camp and then the camp starts and it would be yeah. a six-week camp um but that is adcc style i mean longer matches you could have six seven maybe even eight fights in a day and um, it's a little bit different than one match um normally like five week camps five six week camps is perfect uh, not all the time do i get that opportunity because sometimes it's you know right around the corner but that's like perfect like a six week camp 
You probably you probably stay in pretty good shape though. You probably don't take like too much downtime and things like that. I'm oh yeah, like I've yeah. met Will. I real I'll answer this Will. I've met Will. He's <laughs> he's jacked as shit, man. The dude is like he's absolutely ripped to the gills. So yeah, he's he's in totally good shape. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We work out a lot. Like even on our like right now, I'm not really training for anything specific. I don't have anything lined up right now. But I mean, we're still training super hard. Like we're lifting every single day. Um, I'm training twice a day and i'm eating clean i'm not really ever on off time you know yeah. the only thing that i would do differently in a camp is making sure that i'm getting like proper recovery and pushing a little extra inside the gym maybe working on specific things but really like camp doesn't really change much it just like the focus is a little bit different so let's talk a little bit about your background and where you started because in particular when i think about guys like yourself guys like roberto you know guys that are the new breed of jiu-jitsu athlete i think about just what i said as the new breed of jiu-jitsu fighter guys that have been training at an early age that have incorporated all aspects of their trainings into this new idea of guys that understand the point system but still are submission oriented in their uh, in their fighting styles so tell me a little bit about how you started and how long you've been training for and some of the things that make you who you are. Yeah. I started back training in 2009 here in um, Austin, Texas, and I was eight years old at the time. Um, I was traveling like different gyms and trying to see what I like to do. Like we never really jumped into wrestling, but we did like karate, taekwondo. Um, we watched like a lot of the UFC movies, uh, UFC, early UFC uh, matches and stuff and uh, we hadn't really found out what we wanted to do yet we did like one or two classes of karate and was like oh, that's not it one or two classes of, of taekwondo that wasn't it and then we saw this banner that was being hung by this little red barn almost like a little crossfit gym and uh, it was right by our house and it said brazilian jiu-jitsu on it like someone was hanging the banner and we're like oh wow that's pretty cool and we'll see we'll go check that out we stopped and we asked about it and the guy was like yeah we're um opening up a brazilian jiu-jitsu gym first class is this monday and um yeah you guys can come try a class so we went and tried the class we loved it we um just learned basic stuff like you know we learned how to like front roll stand-up technique um shrimp from out of sight control and things like that and then we stayed after the class and watched the adults train and we got to see them like do live rounds and we're like oh wow that actually looks really cool and um the coach gave us like that's when we started like watching the, all the ufcs because the coach gave us a few dvds um because he had them all on dvd and we went and watched him and we we're like oh wow this is really neat and he's like yeah you know it was like um hickson and all those guys back in pride too and um, we just kind of got into it and we started training and never really stopped we started competing in like Naga, I think at like 2010, maybe like a year after we started. And that was it. We just kept competing. Um, if you don't mind me asking, what was, uh, did you gravitate to any in like specific, like MMA fighter or jujitsu person back then? Like, w was there any individual that really, you really latched onto that was like, oh man, I want to be like this person. But I liked them all. I just, I, I liked George St. Pierre a lot just because he was, really good at takedowns he had like a really cool um fighting style um man i liked them all like my brother really liked rampage jackson because he was so like uh just in your face crazy you know he would like work chains out onto the the ring and stuff it was pretty cool um i mean we liked them all when anderson silva came onto the scene like he was like one of my favorites you know i saw him just start knocking people out i was like oh this is awesome and his jiu-jitsu was really good too you know he had a few submission wins over some good guys and uh yeah but I, I watched more, I'd say I watched more jujitsu than I did MMA. I liked watching MMA a lot, kind of got me into watching jujitsu. But then um, once I started like looking at like the ADCCs and um, like some of the world championships, that's when I kind of dived into more watching. So I'm curious as a, to a little bit about your actual training philosophies and in, in the styles in which you were trained under, because again, when I think about you guys, and, and I'm I'm old, you know, I mean, I've been training before freaking jujitsu competitions. You know, competitive jujitsu, professional jujitsu was even really a thing. You know, back in the day is when you were a key guy or you're a no gi guy. You know, or you're a submission only guy or you're a points guy. Like, like those conversations were still very prevalent in 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 the in the realm of jujitsu when I was coming up. So training 
philosophies and training structures represented that. You know what I mean? Like if your academy was a submission only guy academy or a catch wrestling type school, you trained a little more into submissions and leg locks and things like that. If you were a more of an IBJDF type school, you were more traditional. You focused on the ideas of passing guard and, and doing things like that. Like at what more like fundamental areas? At, at what point did you decide in your own training to understand the importance of both things? Because I think at jujitsu today. When I think of modern competitive jiu-jitsu, I don't think of you're a submission-only guy, you're a points guy, or even if you're a gi guy, no gi guy at this point. I feel like people understand that there are elements of all of these things that work cohesively together. And I think you are a perfect example of someone that understands that intuitively at a very young age, probably because you train that way from the beginning. So tell me about your philosophies coming up as a kid in training and stuff. Well, um, I watched, like I was saying, I watched a lot of ADCC because um, there was just some biggest names competing in that. You know, I, I watched a lot of John Jack Machado, Marcelo Garcia. You know, those are all Eddie Bravo. Those guys were really cool that I like to watch. You know, interesting styles, very exciting. And um, but my goal was always to like win the world championships in the gi. That's what like my goal was since I was a kid. Um, partially because we were kind of under a more gi heavy school when I was a kid. Um, my um, instructor was a black belt under Travis Took, and Travis Took is a Hibero Jiu-Jitsu black belt. So, um, you know, it was more gi strict and like uh, IBJJF style, that kind of stuff. So I really wanted to get good in the gi and start competing in like the IBJJF. So eventually I worked my way out of competing out of like Nagas and stuff and made my way to like kids Pan Ams. And, um, I won the kids Pan Ams the first time I went and it was just like a huge thing for me. Like I was super excited, super happy about it. I felt like it, you know, uh, was really rewarding feeling and I just kept competing and I was like, okay, well I want to start winning more, um, uh, geese stuff. And then fight to win came along and they offered me a super fight. So I fought on fight to win and then the nogi scene kind of started popping up a little bit. So I got a few opportunities to compete in some nogi stuff and didn't do well. At the beginning, you know, I got submitted by like a few Laylock guys that I was, you know, probably better than at the time, or at least I thought I was better than because I was able to like pass their guard and stuff. But you know, they were able to like get out from underneath me and submit me in leg locks and things like that. So I switched my focus a little bit to competing a little bit more nogi because I was not as good at it, and um, it kind of just took off to that. I started just doing more nogi, more IPCJF nogi, and then. Um, competing in some cash prize tournaments and then it led to kind of where I'm at now doing more like super fights and um, kind of kumite style tournaments. That's cool, man. Like, you know, again, when I think about you and I think about the growth of jujitsu in America, I think about people like yourself, the, the idea of now there's a, a specific subset, specific reason why young kids that can start training at 12 years old, 11 years old, 10 years old, that will at that time in their life when they're just absorbing information and they're designed to learn. You know, when you're at that age, things just happen for you. You learn things despite yourself. Like think about being 10 years old, 12 years old. Like you spend like, as an instructor and teaching kids, I see it all the time. Like you spend, I spend half the class just trying to get the damn kids to pay attention to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and you know, I can take a grown adult that takes a private lesson with me from an hour and literally hanging off of every word I have to say. And you put those two, those two people, the kid and the adult side by side after an hour. And usually the kid like that, I had to like bang them on the head to try to get to listen to me ends up knowing more than the adult does. It's just the way their brains are designed. They just absorb information. So when I think about, Jiu-Jitsu in America making it to that super elite level. I think about like in Brazil when they start with kids and now these guys have been doing, you know, they learn jujitsu when their brains are geared to do that. And I think about yourself, mm -hmm. like it's you're 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 like a step in the direction for us of becoming a true MMA jujitsu society because the kids like you are doing at that age. Hope so. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess the, the question, the, another question I want to ask you is this. I don't know what I'm fucking talking about anymore. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just running my mouth. I apologize. <laughs> so, the question I want to ask you is this. So as a competitor, obviously you've competed a lot. You started competing very, very young. Like, do you still get nervous? Do you still have anxiety when you go out to compete? Or have you gotten to the point you've competed so much and because you've done it at such a young age that you've kind of learned 
to like roll with the punches? How do you feel about like competition anxiety, getting excited about going out and competing? So um, I feel like I always got a little bit nervous. When I was a kid, I didn't have that much nerves just because I was a kid that just didn't really care. Just went out and would fight. And then um, when I started getting a little bit older, then I started like, oh, yeah, I'm a little bit nervous. And, um, you know, I started getting a little bit nervous. And then eventually when I made that switch to, like, the adult division and I was like a kid fighting in the adult division, I really had no nerves at all because I felt like I had, like, nothing to lose. Like I was, like, the underdog anyways. And everything I would do would be, you know, kind of a win for me. So I wasn't really that nervous. And then now that I've, like, started to win more and um, kind of, further my career I feel like the nerves are even more because I feel like I have like more on the line kind of got like a repetition to build and all that other stuff so um go ahead uh yeah I was just gonna ask because you started jujitsu at such a young age you know a lot more people kind of find it in their teens or maybe even adulthood was there ever a moment where you were heavily invested and interested in like more contemporary sports like were you ever big in little league like like football soccer like anything like that i played soccer for a little bit i think when i was like seven through like eight years old and um as soon as i found jujitsu i did soccer and jujitsu a little bit maybe a few months together and then eventually i was like nah i just want to just put everything into jujitsu and um, my dad kind of encouraged that too though he was like hey you know if you want to get good at something kind of kind of gotta put all of your eggs in one basket you know and i was like yeah you know i i wanted to do jiu-jitsu anyways so i just put everything into jiu-jitsu that's that's really cool that you had that kind of support from your parents just because i know that you know jiu-jitsu is not from experience with my own parents jiu-jitsu is not <laughs> exactly an easy sell you know even <laughs> yeah. when i was like older they were like uh Dude, what is this what? <laughs> are you what it did no but you did karate didn't you is this that <laughs> and i'm like no it's not that where this is the this is a little different. <laughs> so as a as a young competitor, as a child competitor, you talked about talking about your parents and your parents like, you know, telling you things and like that. Were were you ever presented as was your father the type of guy that was like, you're going to go to practice and you're going to be a world champion and you're going to do this and you're going to eat right and you're going to work hard. Or was it more about <laughs> you're going to your... say your prayers, eat your vegetables. Because no, right. <laughs> I mean, there are parents like that. There are parents out there. You see them all the time. that are like fucking up in their kids. Grill and It makes me crazy yeah. when I'm watching events and they're like the guys that are out there. Like, it's like, bro, relax. Your kids mm-hmm. eat, you know, <laughs> like calm yeah. down, you know, but were you, were, was your, was your, was your father, a supportive type parent that was there to be supportive of you and help you? Was he that guy that was, you know, in your grill telling you, you got to, if you want to be a champion, you got to do X, Y, Z type stuff. So, um, Andrew, my younger brother and I, from the moment we started, we were crazy about jujitsu. So we didn't really like need our dad to like push us to go to class. Um, there were times I think here and there where my mom was like, all right, we got to go to class. We got to go to class. I don't think we ever really skipped practice though. I think maybe, like from the like from my from the top of my head, maybe one class ever did we ever like just skip class, and you know that was like back in kids' class when it was like three times a week. So you know we were consistent training it, um, never really missing classes just because we wanted to be there. Uh, my mom was probably the one that pushed us a little bit more. She didn't like push us to the point where we were like oh, we don't want to go. She's like no, you're going. You know she was just like hey you know come on we gotta go to jujitsu yada yada. And we'd be like okay yeah we gotta get up, but. Um, most of the time it was us being like, all right, let's go to jiu-jitsu, jiu-jitsu tonight, you know, and just because we enjoyed it, you know. Uh, we actually had jiu-jitsu, I think, for three classes a week, and we would, like, talk to our professor about, like, adding a fourth class because we were, like, wanted to come more often, like, a fourth or fifth <laughs> class. And he was like, uh, you know what, I think we're just going to keep it three because some of the other parents can't make it and stuff. So we actually ended up joining a second gym. Oh, wow. Two memberships. Yeah, to, like <laughs> – it was a Gracie Baja gym and um, we ended up now training five days a week rather than three. And we didn't tell our coach because um, he was like really like strict on like, you know, not letting us train in other places just because it was like a team vibe, you know, like very old school, which is understandable, you know? So we just didn't tell him. And one day when he found out that we were training there, I forget who told him, someone told him that we were training there or he saw someone ratted on you. Yeah. So, but we were still young. I was maybe like a yellow belt or orange belt. Snitches get stitches, dog. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry, kid. 
<laughs> you good. But um, <laughs> yeah, he ratted on us. And um, so our coach found out and he immediately like was like, all right, you need to cancel that membership. We're adding two extra classes right now. So that you can come back. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, <laughs> you know, mission accomplished. Man. You got you got what you wanted out of it. So whatever. He didn't want to lose you. See, that's where you find out you're more important right now than, uh, than, his, than his ego. You did the right thing. man. Cool. Yeah, that's but we cool. always enjoyed jiu-jitsu as a kid. You know, we didn't. We, our parents were supportive and like helped us, you know, mm-hmm. in a way that like was encouraging, but didn't push us the way like wrestling parents push kids, you know? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah. My, uh, my dad still maintains that he is the only one of his like three brothers. That's not six foot. Like they're all oh. six, two, six, three. My dad is like five, eight. He is oh. convinced that it was the heavy weight cutting in like his formative years for wrestling. Cause he wrestled for years. He's like, I would be seven feet tall if it wasn't for that. And I'm like, I doubt that, but you know, who who knows? Uh, so so you, you do you do have an absolute stud brother, an, a complete competitor that uh, has been a part of your life, uh, your competitive life forever. The jujitsu is full of very strong lineages of family and specifically siblings you know you've got the mendez brothers you've got the musumechis uh how how does it feel to have that type of training partner no matter what like that you can always call on it's pretty cool and um honestly not until probably about this year where we like really competitive rolling like probably our entire life it was just me like kind of beating up on him and we didn't we trained together but we didn't train like a whole lot because i was always way bigger than him you know even though like we're only two years apart i was always like a lot bigger than him i think a big, that's time, a big difference at that age the difference between yeah. a 10 year old a 12 year old or a 12 year old and a 14 year old is a, is a huge is a huge gap mm-hmm. and he just turned 17 he's just now like probably about like when, before he turned 17 he um hit his growth spurt finally like he was kind yeah. of always a little bit smaller you know i hit my growth spurt early like at like 14 so like when I was 14, I was like 160 pounds or something like that. And um, he was like still like 90 pounds or something like that. So like we were like like a big difference in weight. So we trained together, but we didn't train like a lot together. And when we did, it was kind of me just beating him. But now like he's similar to my size and he's like getting stronger and more athletic. And you're just getting confidence training with like all the adults and competing and stuff. So he's like definitely one of my tough roles now. So it's pretty cool to have like – my brother always there to be able to get some good training in, even though, you know, we've trained together for so long. It's still like super fun. I know? saw, I saw an Instagram video of you and a little clip of you and your brother mm-hmm. wrestling and rolling with each other. Like, God damn, that little, little fucker's good too. He was on, he also competed. So he competed on that Jits King, the kids, mm-hmm. Jits King kids one, or he would maybe not. the Yeah, maybe it was. I saw him. I saw him at a Jits King event. Not yeah. He, he did well. Um, I think it was the one forty-five pound invitational one. He fought. Yeah, he, he had a super fight, right? Yeah, yeah. He's he, he looked real good, man. He's a tough kid, man. Real tough. Yeah, kid. He's, he's really tough. He's he's yeah. really good. He's definitely gonna make some waves, probably towards the end of it. It was gonna be for the end of this year because I figured he's gonna do really well at trials, but mm-hmm. probably now next year, whenever all the big tournaments come around. W- would you say that your your shared love of jujitsu like adds to your your familial relationship, or does it ever get in the way? If, if that makes sense. Um, I think that it just kind of like adds to it because we have more things in common. You know, we have more things in common to kind of just get along with. I think that a lot of times siblings don't want to have the same interests. They want to do opposite things. That's what makes them like not get along as well, you know, because they, oh, I don't want to do that. My brother does that. Or I don't want to do that. My sister does that, you know. But us, we have like the same goals. So we're constantly doing the same thing. We can like push each other. And, um, you know, it's just a way we can kind of connect. No right. one's going to, no one's going to come at you like your brother will either. You're, you're, it's, 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 yeah. it's in your DNA to, 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 to one up your brother. And now that he's able to actually compete with you on a physical level, get ready for it. Get ready. I, for- oh yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. I, I, I want to briefly just take a, a moment to implore if, if he is listening, my younger brother, Sean, I will learn everything about cars. I'll start getting really into bodybuilding, whatever I need to do to get you to take one class. <laughs> my brother, I've like, it has been a, a, a nonstop siege on my part to just try and get my brother into jujitsu just because I would love to have that, 
dude that I can I can just train with and have that that fun. But he's he's too concerned with having a six pack right now, and I, <laughs> I don't have one, and I can't blame him. But John, that. I yeah, exactly. It, it'll help. It'll help with the weight cut. So let's let's bring it back real quick. I I want to touch back on. Something that I, 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 again, I feel like you have a particular, you know, viewpoint on this that's, 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 you know, well, uh, well recognized. So, you know, talk a little bit. We talked a little bit about parents, about the crazy wrestling parents and, and pushing their children to, to, to the point of like nervous breakdowns to kind of live their own dreams through that kid sometimes. And then it's something that, in my opinion, I don't, I don't care for much. I don't like it a lot. I, my father was never like that. My father was, was, was always supportive of everything I did. He always told me like, this is what you need to do if you want to get better. But he was never that guy that was like, you better do this. You're a sissy, yeah. you know, and, and 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 overbearing like that. And you know what I see with you as a result of the way your upbringing was is the fact that you love what you do because you are passionate to do that. You know, and the reason why you're doing jiu-jitsu is because you, you know, obviously you want to be world champion and all those other things, but you, you have a legitimate love for the sport. And so many times when I see kids that are such pushed by their parents, they hit a certain point where they're like, you know, just like any kid. Like if your parents want you to go to go to college, your parents want you to do this, your parents train you to do this XYZ, you're going to hit that point in your life where you're like, "You know what? Screw you, dad. I'm a grown-up now. I can do whatever I want to do." <laughs> like tell me about how you think about parents that that act like that to their kids i mean i think it's really it deprives them of like their um basically ability to you know do well in whatever they're doing whether you're pushing them too hard in wrestling um any other type of sport really football soccer or anything um or even in school you know i think that positive encouragement goes a long way and you know like you were saying, you help with the kids' class. I, I do the same thing. I help with the kids' class at Brazilian Fire Factory. And, you know, you can't just, like, help a kid, you know, sometimes. Sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. But most of the time, you can't just constantly push, 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 push a kid. You know, you got to tell them, oh, you know, you're doing good here and here. Maybe try this, this, you know, rather than just constantly pushing. More being support and um, guidance, like directing them in the right way rather than just, like, pushing them in the right pushing them there, you know. Yeah, I I just I can't I I one of the things it just makes me crazy, man. I like I said I ref a lot of tournaments. I'm out there a lot with with the kids programs and things like that. And like I just I would literally I try to stay out of it, but half the time I really want to grab these parents like what the fuck is wrong with you? Like what's what's wrong with you? Seriously, like like who hurt you? You know <laughs> what 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 like what bully picked on you because you didn't make it or where did you fall down to not make the the goal that you wanted to that now you're 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 pushing your kid to do something that like they don't really want to do now because you're making it so difficult on them. I think that it's also like it's not always from a place of of just of of damage. I think sometimes it's just misunderstanding because a lot of these parents are used to being like like kids are multi-sport athletes a lot of the time depending on the season. Sometimes these kids go from a different sport into jujitsu depending on the year. So they're coming off a hockey season. Parents are used to being in a cold ice box yelling at the top of their lungs for a few periods. So I, I, it's hard to, it's hard to transition into a different sport, especially since a lot of people don't really get jujitsu yet. I, we've, yeah. we've, we've tried to really help there, but you know, people, sometimes just people don't get it unless I they train. That. I think a lot of times too, is that, that parents just don't, like a lot of times you're dealing with people that were never really athletic before in their lives that never really did any kind of had any kind of athletic background that don't really get that that's not how you do things. You know, it's like the person, it's like the you know everybody knows there's everybody knows shitty coaches. Like shitty coaches is is the blue belt or the white belt that's coaching one of his students. It's just screaming like get up, great get up, you know, grab him, dude, screaming nonsense. It does absolutely nothing but but hype up your 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 fighters, freaking you know insides to where they're out of their mind they're not paying attention they're not giving them any kind of constructive research and i think that's what happens with these parents a lot of times is they don't they've never done anything athletically so all they know is just screaming holler and getting their kids mm -hmm. face yeah they think just hyping their kid up will make him try bet harder and sometimes trying harder is not even what they need to do you know right exactly 
So, so tell me about uh, you. You've had a you've had a very uh, interesting journey training at different gyms and and changing the gyms that you've trained at, at like schedule wise. What's it been like at Fight Factory for you? How have you how have you enjoyed your time there? Man, it's been amazing. Like it's been a real blessing that uh, Fight Factory was kind of it's really just right under my nose the whole time, but that it kind of came into my life and I was able to make that switch. Um, back when I was training at my old academy, Team Robotti in Pflugerville, Texas, uh, this guy, Cody Steele, and you guys know who Cody is, um, we were both competing on the Onnit Invitational together on like separate super fights. And um, you guys might have seen a video where he like freaking launched this guy on his head with a suplex and um, choked the guy like right away. That was it, like the Onnit Invitational here in Austin. And, um, you know, I saw it and I was like, wow, that was crazy. And um, I went up and like shook his hand after because I had never met him before. I'd seen him here and there, but not a lot. And I asked him, you know, I said, hey, come by the gym sometime or if you want to and train. And he saw me and I actually submitted some guy. And he was like, oh, cool. And then, you know, we ended up training together at my academy. And um, he came by a few times. And then eventually, like, I went over to his academy and we just kind of started cross training a little bit. And then eventually I just found out that his professor is like super legit. And um, eventually now that professor is my professor and um, just been training there ever since. Real quick. I feel like, I feel like I hear the term super legit so much in jujitsu. It's almost, it's like the highest compliment I hear (laughs) within jujitsu. It's like someone, it's not that someone's a great guard passer. They're just super legit. It's just like, it's, that is the top shelf comp and i just that just occurred to me and so i just because there's a lot of that there's a lot of like like bullshit out there so so hearing that someone really knows what they're talking about and trusting you're trusting them enough to invest that kind of time with them is is a real big deal so like and and you feel that the the have you do you feel that the time you've invested at fight factory has been has has yielded a lot of returns for you Oh yeah. Like honestly, I saw so much improvement within the first three months of being there. I think I joined in like September, uh, by like December was the Nogi worlds and that's what they were kind of starting to train for. So I joined and I basically just like hopped straight into like the Nogi worlds training camp with Cody and Rodrigo. And, um, you know, I was like lifting every single day. I had never really lifted before. Um, I was training two, three times a day doing cardio, all this other stuff that I had not really you know, I had trained a lot before, but not really professionally until I moved to this academy. And um, I just saw so much return. Like, uh, my whole game started to change. I was I was good, but I didn't have, like, direction. Like, I mean, if you guys go back and watch some of my matches, like, from when? I think it was probably, like, what, 2016, 2017, early 2017, right in there. Like, I was good, but I didn't have, like, a whole lot of, like, direction. Like, I wasn't, like, boom, 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 boom with, like, my position, you know? And um, if you look more at my jujitsu now, like even if I lose, I know what I'm going for. You know, I know what I'm doing. I kind of have like a game plan. I have something built. And um, that's just been from training with Rodrigo, you know, him helping me. Yeah. Like your, your jujitsu IQ is developing past the point of just like, oh, there's a heel hook. I'm going to go for that heel hook. You're starting to understand like the whole strategical aspects of things and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's fun to watch that with, with, with younger grapplers like yourself when they start to hit that point. It's when they really it all starts to kind of like click and make sense, and you kind of get in touch with the, the jujitsu chi or force or whatever it is. You know, it's fun. So I got an I got another question. Real for quick, you. you're jacked into the jujitsu mainframe. You're in the mainframe. You're in the you're in the matrix now. It's like you're Neo, and you're just like you're the one. You get to manipulate everything. So I think about. First of all, like learning your name, you know, and realizing, oh, wow, this is William Tackett kid. Holy shit. Was at the West Coast trials uh, a few years ago when you beat Enrico. Was, was that when you beat Enrico Coco? Yes. Sir. You, I, I remember because Enrico Coco is kind of like one of them legendary figures that mm-hmm. doesn't really get the recognition that he deserves as far as I'm concerned. I, I've known Enrico for a long time, and I can remember being a white belt, blue belt and talking about this kid who was you, Enrico Coco. You know, he was this 14, 15-year-old kid that was a heel hook savant that was beating everybody in the um, you know, in the adult division. So I think he won the trials at like 17 or something like that. You know, at the mm-hmm. time he was one of the youngest guys to ever do it. And, you know, 
when you beat him, that was the moment when I was like, holy shit, who's did like let's who, William Tackett. I think I'd seen you on another event before, but that was a time when I was like, Oh wow, William Tackett, this kid's awesome. So like tell me the moment when you really believed that you know you kind of deserve to be out here on this big stage and competing with the big guys. Cause that's a big thing. Because mm-hmm. if you don't believe, if you're always in the shadows, like, oh wow, like I can't believe I get to go against, you know, freaking uh whoever you know enrico coco or whoever big guy in front of me like i I can't believe i get to share the stage and you're always just going to be a spectator you have to get to a point you're like all right cool like i deserve to be here i mean my name is it should be spoken in in the same frame as their name was like tell me about when you started to believe that honestly it was at the moment you're talking about like whenever i competed at the trials um i had really believed in my jiu-jitsu like competing against other teens for a while um i was just confident because i was a little bit more physical than a lot of the teens that I had fought. I felt more technical, um, but I had fought in the adult division a little bit, especially in like the black belt. And I didn't do great. I did well, but um, you know, I'd lose to guys and get submitted here and there. And um, I just wasn't like super confident facing like those, those adults. Like I think for the first trials that I did, which was the East coast trials of, um, was that 2018 or 2017? I think I remember you there. I think that's when I saw you the first time. I was competing in that Mm -hmm. one, too. I think I saw you there, too. Yeah, so that was right before the West Coast. And um, I did okay. Like, I beat um, a pretty good black belt named um, James Patridge. He's really tough. Um, He's Hunter Colvin's coach. And, you know, he's good. He's really good. But um, I beat him, but, you know, I had seen him lose to the guys before. So I was like, maybe it's a fluke or, you know, I don't know. So I didn't really, like, believe myself too well. And then I had fought PJ Barch for, like, the second time. And um, he beat, I like hurt his knee and he still beat me. And I was like, ah, you know, and I was just like all at this point and stuff. So I just went back and trained really hard. Um, I fought the Nogi Worlds and um, for juvenile and I did really well. And then just kept training. Um, got promoted to Purple Belt in I think January, like two weeks before the trials. And then I hopped in the trials and I was like, you know, I have nothing to lose. Again, I wasn't really that nervous. Like I kind of talked about before. I felt like I, it was a win-win scenario, you know, either way. And um, I went out and I beat a few guys that were pretty tough. And then um, I fought Kevin. I, I don't know how you say his last name. Kevin Manyecha or Machacha or something like that. He's a black belt. I believe he's from Florida, but I'm not sure. But he has a twin brother. Um, you know, he's really good. He's, he's a tough black belt. And um, I had beaten him. And I was like, wow. Because he had won like a lot of IBJJF stuff. I believe he had won like Pan's at the lower ranks. Um, he had won a lot of opens at black belt. So I was like, wow, that was pretty pretty awesome like can't believe i just beat him you know and um, i had kind of controlled the match pretty well uh and then i fought jason Roundex, and i was like super nervous to fight jason Rao, you know because i had just like come off of a pretty decent win and i was like well jason's really tough you know and then i beat jason and i was like wow i was like i'm doing good today and then i saw that i had rico coco next and i was like i didn't really know who rico was so I had looked him up on Instagram and I saw he was like four time trials champion. Right. And I was like, Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> don't look yeah. up, man. Yeah. Don't, don't look it up. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I wanted to know who he was, you know? And then I had like looked him up on flow and I saw him get submitted John Combs. He has, I think a win over DJ Jackson. Like, you know, he has like a lot of wins and I was like, dang, this guy's like, I was like, okay, well I'm just gonna go do my thing. And I ended up like sweeping him and like winning by two. And after that tournament, um, even though I didn't do well against John, I just felt so confident after that. You know, I felt like I really felt like I would deserve to be out there with those guys, even though, you know, I wasn't close to being the best in the world yet, but I felt like I deserved to be there at least, you know, yeah, that, that just like you said earlier, that, that confidence is also a double-sided sword because yes, it makes you believe you're supposed to be there, but it also puts the anxiety on your back that now you've got a target on your back and you have to continue to prove yourself because if you start losing, wait, am I going to be the same? I, it, it makes it – you're not just that kid that's like, all right, let's go do this thing. Win or lose, it doesn't matter anymore. Now you're like, oh, shit, like I'm the guy now, so i got to go out there and act like it. Yeah, exactly, and that – that side of things, I just have to kind of put in the back of my mind and not really worry about, you know. I just try to focus on just training hard and um, letting basically the hard work show and not really worry about that stuff. I think I think some of that pressure that's typically reserved for those super confident guys might not get to you, though, just because a lot of those guys go the, the, the jerk route where they're, like, very arrogant and braggadocious. And from from all accounts, like both personal and anecdotal, you're an innately likable guy, and oh. I think that that like people want 
you to do well. Like they're on your team. Like it's not building up this golden idol only to see it topple down. It's like a hometown guy making good and, and people getting invested in that story. Um, speaking of, uh, speaking of, of big tournaments, uh, we just recently saw this year's pans wrap up some amazing performances. Did you, did you catch any of them or were you just like in the dungeon training the entire time? Um, I went and rewatched them cause we did have class like while there was going on, but, um, I went and rewatched some of them. I saw some of the final. It was pretty crazy. Um, honestly, a lot of weird, even though it wasn't like upsets, but like the way things played out was really strange. And uh, there was some upsets. Like I was really surprised that Tiago, um, from here in San Antonio, I think Tiago Macedo is how you say his last name. He had, he won. And not only did he win, but he beat like two really tough guys that I've trained with. Like he beat Samuel the guy and then he beat Mateos Gabriel, which is like a huge win for him. And then, um, I don't know if you guys know who Lucas Valente is, but he's another guy out here in Texas. And I don't think he's ever had his guard pass like the entire do. And um, he got his guard pass not like four times basically, but got points scored on three times for those guard passes. So I thought that was just insane. Um, Ronaldo Jr. passes guard three oh, times. Ronaldo, Ronaldo guy, had the of the of the tournament. He was one of those standouts that just came away. Like with a fresh paint, like with a fresh coat of paint on him, like like another one of those autos, just super monsters that are gonna come out and 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 murder everybody for years and years to come. They put real quick. I was convinced that when you said it felt weird, I thought you were gonna follow it up with it felt weird because I wasn't there actively dominating the scene. (laughs) (laughs) Like it felt weird. Like it, it. Whenever I'm not doing a tournament, I feel odd. Like yeah. <laughs> I should, is there a, a grappling industry somewhere? I can... <laughs> no, I, we, I'm kind of putting gi behind me a little bit. I'm going to still compete in the gi here and there, but I don't have like a huge desire to compete in the gi a lot just for right now. Uh, just trying to focus to being like, again, like kind of like putting all my eggs in one basket and um, really just going full throttle competing in the, the no gi team. Let's talk real quick, and this will be my last question, Kev. You got something else? I don't. I won't bug you too much more. But, um, you know, they just made the announcement about heel hooks in the IBJJF and adding reaps legally and and things like that to try to change the rule set. And my question to you is this: is like, you know, I lo- I know a lot of leg lock guys that are all like, sweet. Now I can go heel hook everybody. I'm going to go do the IBJJF because it's fair now and, and all those other things like that. And like. You know, in my my opinion of it is, is that, you know, I don't know it's going to change that much. I think it's going to kind of make it a little bit more easier for, you know, you can add another element of submission to the game. But I think the real reason why the IBJF is so difficult to win is because you have to have super solid fundamentals guard passing. And a lot of these leg lock guys that I know, like, you know, they sit back for leg locks and maybe their fundamentals aren't so great. So someone like yourself that I know, like I said, hybrid, you have your your ability to go to leg locks and, and work with these intricate submission games are amazing, but you also have ridiculously solid fundamentals. Thank you. Like, what do you think about these leg lock guys that are salivating in their in, 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 in their lips now because the IBJDF is, is open up for heel hooks. They think they're just going to go out and dominate now because it's going to change the world. I mean, I think they might win one or two big matches, like sub a few guys that are previous world champions or yada, yada, but I don't see them – like a leg locker, like for instance, like let's say just someone that is killing the nogi scene right now, but it's just a kind of a strict leg locker. You know, I right. won't say anyone, but I don't see someone at like just going onto the podium and winning the entire nogi worlds, you know, winning six matches all by heel hooks. Like I don't see that happening. Like, of course, it can't happen. Like, anything can happen. And, you know, there's some really good guys out there that haven't done the IBJJF yet, but I don't see. Like just leg lockers completely just dominating the IBJJF scene now. One because like the matches are not that long. Like people don't realize that like most sub only matches are like ten plus minutes, and um, the IBJJF matches like for brown belt I think it's like eight or seven minutes. Like it's not a lot of time to work. And um, the people that compete in IBJJF are really good at like making the time run out quickly. Yeah, one hundred percent. Stall it, call it whatever you want, but they know how to win in that format. 
They do. When you go it, in the Masters and it's a five minute match. Like I roll in. Like it's even <laughs> that shit goes by. One the first 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 one to score, they're gonna grab a grip and they're gonna hold on to you and do just enough to make it look like they're doing some shit before you know it. It's over. Yeah, I mean that's how it was in juvenile too. I think juvenile was five minutes, and it was just like you know I lost a few matches by just getting taken down. I would get taken down and I would like score a few advantages on getting sweeps, but couldn't sweep and then would lose. You know, um, people don't realize how quickly it does go out out there when points are involved. You know, and um, I think that we will see some upsets and uh, maybe the podiums will change just a little bit, but not much. So I, I got a quick follow up, and I just want to ask you what What do you say to people? that say that that's not what real jiu-jitsu should be to, you know, to pass somebody's guard and pin them on the ground and, and, and it's boring. It makes for boring matches and it's not real true to the way jiu-jitsu should be held. What do you think about that? I mean, I think jiu-jitsu is grappling, right? Jiu-jitsu is obviously grappling and um, we have submissions, but it's grappling too. We're not only going for submissions, you know, we're trying to control people, you know, pick people up, throw them on their head. We're trying to hold people down so that we could punch them in the face if we needed to, you know, Um, and then break their arm or choke them if you have to, you know, it's not, we're not doing a submission sport. We're doing a submission grappling sport. Um, In the gi, it's more traditional, you know, a little bit more like positional stuff. And that's just because, you know, it's more grappling. Um, No gi has changed more into submission grappling. So it's like more submission heavy, but in the end, like, you know, if, we're in an actual fight, which what jujitsu is a self-defense, you know, it's a martial art. If we're in an actual fight and you sit on the ground and I'm able to pass your guard, you know, I'm going to grind your face into the concrete and punch you in the face. You know, it's going to happen. And, um, it, you spinning under and getting a leg lock from bottom side control is not going to be that effective. And, um, I mean, I think that it should be rewarded both ways because that's the way it started. And, um, you know, I think that's guys that just, play positionally is not realistic either because you're trying to finish the fight. You know, you're not just trying to hold someone, but I think it should be both heads of the coin. And I think that now that IBJJF is allowing leg locks, um, as far as heel hooks at, uh, Brown and black belt. Now, I think that it's, it's going to be good. I think it's going to be good for the sport. And I think that the matches will actually be really exciting because they're going to be one, they're going to be a little shorter than like ADCC. And it's going to kind of be like ADCC because they're going to be, um, the whole sub only side of people competing in it. And they'll also be the points players. So I yeah, real quick, real quick. Good. I just, there's something so hilarious about like just you being as nice a guy as you are just going. Yeah, man. You know, like if we're on the street, I'm going to grind your fucking face into the ground. You know, what <laughs> yeah. It's like, whatever, but uh, like I'll buy a Froyo after, but you're going to get fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, people don't realize that like most of the time, whenever a fight happens outside there's concrete you know and not you don't want to lay on your back on concrete just getting onto the ground to like i don't know change your oil or whatever you can scrape your elbow you know fighting someone on the ground like that's completely different you know that's even worse so you want to be on top you know and um that's why i respect people that play top bottom go for submissions flying submissions like gary Tillman's a perfect example for someone that is well-rounded you know does top bottom submissions takedowns throws back kicks everything and um i think that's what it should be yeah that 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 was the perfect answer to that question kid it really was and that's the thing that i always talk about when guys talk about oh it's just so boring it's like well you know when you talk about points matches versus submission only matches it's just two different avenues you're talking to side i've competed in both so i i don't give a mm-hmm. shit i don't care what people think i don't you know i just think it's silly that they love they love to have these conversations you know it's just <laughs> you're, you're you're preparing for a different skill set. You're preparing for a different rule set and whatever. It's still just freaking jujitsu. But yeah. the, the point when people start to talk about, well, you know, points matches are stupid because he's just stalling and holding out. Well, yeah, like, if we're recreating what it's like to be in a real altercation, which is I also like, I really want to believe that's what they try to do with points matches. Like, if I'm holding you on the ground and knee on belly and holding you there, like if we're trying to fight, you're blowing a lot of energy trying to get up and I'm not blowing so much. And then when I can start punching you in the face, just like you said, now we're not on a mat, we're on the concrete. The world starts to get a whole lot harsher and a whole lot more, more realistic. Yeah. I, and- I appreciate you saying that. And personally, my, my, I'm looking forward as someone that's like, I talk a lot of shit just because, but I'm looking forward to cranking heel hooks in the next IBJJF world. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm one of the dudes who is super stoked about heel hooks because I like to play my little heel hook game. 
And but then it also goes on the other side of the coin because a lot of the guys that just do you know points only tournaments and very like traditional style, you know, they'll hold someone in fifty fifty, or right. you know they'll hold someone in X guard yeah. or something. And no more that. Do nothing from there, right? right. And they'll stall stall from there. But then in a real fight, I would grab your foot and you know right. rip your knee. So I think that it's important now that we have both sides of the coin that you yeah. can't just stall from like a position where you would normally get your leg broken, you know. I think uh, one, like one of my last, like I got, I got two more and then I'm done. Uh, you, you said one, uh, you, you, you remarked that you don't see a lot of the sub only guys suddenly showing up to IBJJF tournaments and then dominating with heel hooks. But of that crowd, do you see any standouts that could, that you think would make an interesting transition now that an, a big part of that arsenal is now legalized? Like, do any names come to mind that you think are really going to make, make problems for people? Um, honestly, I see Ethan Kralestein, someone like that, someone that has already competed, jump, um, Oliver Tazza, guys like that, that have already competed in the IBJJF rule set and have done well. I believe Oliver has taken second in the Noogie Worlds. I know Ethan has as well. He, he, lost won, he won it at Brown Belt, I think. Yeah. Like, they're tough. You know, they're good in IBJJF rule set too. You know, they can – submit people with other submissions just add in the other part of their game that might be the most dangerous part of their game and you know i can see them at the top of the podium almost every time um i remember when my teammate Mateus gabriel fought ethan at the nogi worlds i believe it was like 2018 or something like that maybe 2017 it was the brown belt nogi worlds it was the last one that Mateus did when Mateus won he fought ethan in the finals and i think he swept ethan and ethan scored like maybe Ten advantages, almost. It was it was a lot of advantages on like leg submissions and, um, but it was he was doing stuff like foot locks, doing stuff like toe holds and knee bars and stuff. If he, he could have added in heel hooks, he probably would have finished Gabriel, you know. So now that he has that addition to his like arsenal as far as like his weapons, I think that he'll do fine. Guys like that, I could see standing out. Guys that compete in the rule set already, but also do the other side of the rule set, like the hybrid fighters, you know. Yeah, I I also think that. A lot of people are under the misconception that, you know, aside from a few old Brazilians that don't give a shit about footlocks, like the majority of the jiu-jitsu world, like knowing an inside Ashigarami or, you know, I'm talking about or knowing how to get into the saddle, like isn't necessarily like a, a secret weapon anymore. Like dudes like know this stuff now. They know how to they know how to defend heel hooks. They know how to defend you know, saddle position. They know how to work from those positions. It's not just like, ah, shit. Okay. Yeah, not only is it not, not only is it not secret. Half the jujitsu DVD instructionals out there are just about like right. different leg lock attacks, right. like getting into the saddle, getting into honey hole, getting into outside Ashi, like different finishes. Like it, it shout took out, a long shout time. out, shout out, Josh Leduc, quantum right. breaking mechanics. Right. Literally, just I'm gonna, I'm gonna break. <laughs> <laughs> It took a long time, but the leg lock game finally came to a point where it's like, okay, cool. Like you can't just learn how to do leg locks and be able to completely dominate because people are starting the curve. People are starting to ca catch up with the curve a little bit on it. Definitely, I um I just see like a different style of leg locks kind of waving through now. I right. think the fifty fifty will become a big thing, especially in the IBJJF for subbing people because it's already such a big thing in the um the IBJJF that I think a lot of guys will be like given a false sense of confidence in that area. So they might even put people in that situation. And it's honestly like a completely locked situation. So if you don't know how to attack from 50, 50, um, I think that you get subbed really easily. So I see a lot I of, 50 /50. Yeah. <laughs> that's my worst. I, mean, I hate, I, I I hate 50, 50. Like 50, 50. I've been using 50, 50 a lot lately. Um, just because like you said, like, you know, you could put someone in a, um, inside Ashigurami and they can just roll out and it's hard to control people that don't want to be there you know but if you put someone in 50 50 they're kind of locked in and it's like yeah. it kind of like levels the playing fields as far as movement goes practice my 50 50 <laughs> <laughs> and uh so it's 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 pretty basic and and you're probably sick of hearing this question but you know with with so much of with so much success taken off your plate, you know, you've just had a, a packed schedule that you've come out like absolutely golden in all regards. Do you have anything immediately in your future? Like, uh, are you going to return to submission underground? Any, any fight to wins, like anything we should be watching out for as, as fans of the William Tackett experience. 
So right now, I don't have anything lined up in November. Um, Seth Daniels had reached out to me about fighting on Fight to Win then. So you could expect to maybe see me on a Fight to Win in November. Um, the next thing that probably is going to happen is uh, Cody and I are going to be on the subversive October 31st in Philadelphia. We'll be the, representing the, the boys' side of the checkmat team. And I think um, Lucas Leach's wife, Tata, is going to fight on the girl side of the team. So I believe her, Cody and I are going to fight in the subversive there. And that should be really interesting because I think that there'll probably be like unity and uh, probably maybe some like DDS squad, like a lot of different members there. So I think that should play out to some fun matches. But um, as far as like long-term, I think that I might have, I, I can't announce it yet because it's not confirmed or anything, but I might have a pretty good match on who's number one in December, and then I shouldn't be fighting on Sug again, like broke, late December. So. Broke it here, bro. What's 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 his initials? No. It's GR. Eventually, but not yet. Yeah. <laughs> how many? How many? Real quick. How many years before you think you you could take Gordon? Or do you think you could do it like in a month? <laughs> I mean, I would be down to have a match with him now. Um, but I mean, I, again, like I want to be realistic about things, you know, he's the best right now and I haven't really proved myself on the highest level yet. So I would like to do that before we had a match, but I mean, maybe if I fight in the ADCC, maybe we'll meet and I guess he's not doing absolute. So I guess that wouldn't work, but I don't know. I'm, I'm ready to lick whenever, but I'd like to kind of prove myself and like establish myself in like the higher rankings before I just take on like the best guy. I think that's fair for both sides. All right, you heard it. You, this just in: Gordon Ryan receives the most polite call out in the history of his jujitsu career. No vulgarity whatsoever. You got, you got, call me later. We'll work on that with you, kid. Let, let me be. Let me be your hype man. I got you. We just, we just take Will and we teach him how to be mean. We teach him how to be a hype beast yeah, and you just gotta quit smiling. Clout. Look, look at me. Show me, show me your mean face. You gotta pose with more random models, <laughs> right? Like gold chains and like some like weird shotgun. You got laying drop a SoundCloud, <laughs> drop a SoundCloud diss track. We need to work on it. <laughs> well, All kid, right. man, like I just want to tell you, like how awesome I think you are, man. Like I really do. I really think like you are the future of this game, and I I'm looking forward to see how far you can take this thing, man. At such a young age to be as accomplished as you are, man. Like I'm super excited, and I really. I like you. I just think you're a good kid, man. I think Thank you're you. an awesome dude. I got nothing bad to say about you. I've never heard anybody say anything bad about you. And, you know, just keep it up because you're you're awesome for the sport, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. And you guys are great for the sport as well, you know, having multiple platforms to really brand athletes. I think it's great. You guys are doing a great job. I appreciate oh, that. Shucks, Will. We got to work here. on that, man. I told you. I told you. You got to be mean, man. <laughs> well, well, Will, uh, thank you very much for the kind words. Uh, this is typically the part of the show where we allow the guests to plug any sort of, you know, sponsors or what, what have you, uh, things that they've got going on, side hustles. So anything that you want to uh, give thanks to at the, or point us towards, uh, feel free to, the floor is yours. Cool. Well, thank you. Well, first off, thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it a lot. Um, next, I want to thank my sponsors, Level Black is um, my newest sponsor and definitely make sure to check them out on Instagram and their website. Uh, my second sponsor is very hard to submit VHTS. They're helping me out a lot. Thank you. My sponsors for believing me and helping me you know, achieve my goals and stuff. And then um, thanks to my team, Brazilian fight factory and all my teammates for constantly pushing me in and outside the gym. And, um, you know, thank you God for always protecting me and keeping me safe. And then, you know, on top of that, just thanks to all my fans and, uh, everyone helping me and supporting me and um, we'll see where the rest of this year goes. All right. Well, that this has been a, 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 an absolutely polite episode of the Jiu Jitsu times podcast with the immaculate Mr. William Tackett. Uh, well, again, thank you so much for taking the time, man. We, uh, as, as commentators and as fans, we're, we're really excited to see where your career goes. Uh, try to remember us when you're, you're signing a US UFC contract for for millions and billions of dollars. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, bit. maybe give Just us a ticket or something like that. That's all. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah. Uh, for those of us, uh, for the fans out there listening, uh, we're getting into the winter. You know, it's it's starting to get cold, and the world isn't as reopened as we probably would have liked. But uh, jujitsu and and the, the sport that we love is 
is trying to thrive regardless. So uh, in, in that spirit, in that holiday spirit that's coming up, uh, please stay safe, stay healthy, and keep on the lookout for ways you can help your gym just because, you know, st- places are still financially a little shaky. So uh, if you're if you're one of those people that's been having a gym that's uh, that's closed but you're still paying, we, we thank you. You guys are incredibly important for keeping the sport alive. And, uh, yeah, just uh, just – Look on the bright side because this will end one day. And so I feel like that was a, an appropriately kind and polite way to end this very polite episode with Mr. William Tackett. Uh, oh, what do you got, kid? One more thing I forgot to mention. Um, oh. If you guys check out or anyone listening, check out BJJ Brain Official. It's um, you, it's on Instagram or you can just go BJJBrain.com. It's something that Cody Steele and I are, have started up. We're doing like some online instructionals and all different types of stuff. It hasn't really hit the floor yet, but – we're getting there. So just trying to create awareness right now. If you guys want to check it out on Instagram or subscribe on the website, that would be um, appreciated. Uh, this is uh, what was that again? One more time. BJJ brain is um, the name of the thing that we're doing. And then BJJ brain official is the Instagram. Okay. Real quick. Uh, just a little uh, visual aid for those of you that are, are watching the video. This is the page. Uh, we'll link to it down below. If, if this guy's putting it out, it's probably something that you, you need to go check out immediately. And I know that I, that is what I will be doing as I'm editing this episode of the jujitsu times podcast. Uh, thanks for getting that in. Uh, that's definitely yeah, going to be something that I'm going to look into, but again, this is a very long goodbye. Cause we don't like saying goodbye. We love yeah, doing the show do. and we, we, we love having guests like will who, We'll never talk to us after this is done. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This has been another episode of the GCC Times podcast. I've been your host, Kevin Bradley, joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Kevin Gallagher, and special guest, Mr. William Tackett. Stay safe, stay healthy, protect your neck. Good night, everybody.